Whoever is listening, guys, welcome back. My name is Grayson Mann, and welcome to another episode of the Man with the Plan podcast. Today, we have a friend of the show, great friend of mine, Justin Robertson of the Tiger. He and I have been at several Clemson football games. We've uh, been really blessed, I think, and Justin, you'll be able to speak on this as well, as just being able to cover the last couple of years of Clemson football. And we'll be talking about just that. This will consider this this podcast's bi-week autopsy. So, Justin, how you been, man? Welcome to the show. Yeah, I'm great. Thanks for having me again, Grayson. It's always uh, good to get on here in a formal uh, basis. But yeah, as you mentioned, great friends. So always happy to join. For sure. I think the last time you were on was December of 2022. And we were talking about all sorts of things with college football going on. But today is going to be more of a Clemson-centric. The last couple episodes on the show have been Clemson-centric. We did a series over the summer covering Clemson football. And I think In each episode, you can probably pick one that can end up on freezing cold takes, at least on the Clemson side of things. Because, Justin, as you know, a season can change like that. And we were there on Monday night and Labor Day weekend at Duke. And so before we actually start and getting into that, I just want for anyone that isn't aware of you, just like plug what you've been doing with the Tiger in general and just your role within sports media. Yeah, so I've been with the Tiger for uh, over three years now. I'm a senior, so this will be my fourth year. Uh, Clemson student newspaper, and I jumped up recently from sports editor to associate editor, so just kind of taking on some more roles and responsibilities, but my passion still lies with sports, still covering sports on a daily basis. Um, and at the Tiger, we have a team of over 40 senior staff constantly working on uh, stories, news, sports, arts and entertainment, opinion, we do some videography, some photography. So really encompasses uh, all of what a J school would if Clemson had one of those. Um, so we're kind of, we view ourselves as the journalism school at Clemson. And then outside of the student paper, I'm also a contributor for Clemson Wire, part of USA Today Sports Media Group. And I uh, do some freelance work like yourself at the uh, Seneca Journal, covered some high school football here and there. So overall, just it's been a great three years here at Clemson. And I'm hoping this last year can be even better than the last three. Absolutely. And you you struck a word as memorable and nothing has been more memorable than the last couple of years of Clemson football. And like I touched on earlier, well, the beauty of college football, too, and I don't know if we get that with the NFL, is that the season after one loss and National Football League the season's not over by any stretch of any means with Clemson, you losing by 21 against Duke. A lot can change and a lot can form in terms of an opinion. So. These last six games have been very telling for Clemson football. We've learned a lot through the highs, the lows, whether it's nearly taking down top five FSU in a slugfest or as Dabo likes to call it, a gritty win against Wake Forest. So there's been a lot to talk about and a lot to assess. So, Justin, so far through these six games, what have we learned about Clemson football? Yeah, I think the the biggest thing that we've learned is there's still a lot of questions uh, that need answers. Uh, I'm sure from a fan perspective, especially there's a lot of, uh, you know, things out there that fans are wondering. And you look back, like you mentioned the week one against Duke and everything kind of fell apart for Clemson, uh, especially with turnovers and those two fumbles and missed kicks and all that. And I think you could look at that game and say, Hey, you know, Clemson, they clearly didn't play well. They deserve to lose, but some of those plays are just uncharacteristic. They're kind of random and you could kind of look forward and say, Hey, Clemson, if they went out, they're still in the playoff, but then you lose to Florida state and things, you know, take another turn. 
Uh, but, you know, they play well. So there's still some optimism there. You get another good win against Syracuse. And then you have back-to-back games of this of Clemson offense really, you know, stepping up and and kind of looking like they're back to form. And and then you kind of have a, a dud against Wake Forest at Death Valley this past week. And it's, uh, it's interesting to see, even though a lot of changed over the offseason, it still seems like there's some questions that, you know, are still the same. Like, is the offense – going to ever return back to the form that it was under Trevor Lawrence and, and Deshaun. And there's still things that I think fans are wondering. And I think as a whole Clemson, you know, they've been down these past three years and over these past six games, there's been some, some concerns, I think overall as a, as a team. Yeah. I think what really struck a chord with me through these first six games have been the routine things that I think if you were there, if any of, these uh, people in our little media circle watched at summer practice was, Hey, this was a team that continuously told you the the couple last couple of years. It's a weird bug in the system where we've been fixed. We fixed that it's over. And you get to like situations like the Duke game or missing a simple block that leads to a scoop and score against FSU or just some things that feel rare routine that you don't think about. But once the thing, small things start to fall apart, that's when they start to get on blast, on notice. And for this Clemson team, it's been just this, these tiny things that can be fixed so easily but continue to pop up. Yeah, I mean, you look at ball security and, you know, fumbles are kind of random. But there's just – there's there's a trend. Um, and when you turn the ball over and lose the turnover margin, you're not going to be able to win a lot of football games. And I think Clemson has yet to have a game without a turnover, either on offense or special teams. And that's just – that can be demoralizing for a team and that's going to cost you games. And even something as simple as clock management, I think it was against the Florida in the Florida state game. They had a chance to get another playoff before the fourth quarter ended, or maybe it was the half. I can't really recall, but they kind of just blew an opportunity to get another playoff with just poor clock management. So like you said, you have a lot of just uncharacteristic things that you wouldn't think would happen with a coaching staff. You know, you bring Garrett Riley too, and, there's still some of those same issues that we've seen in years past with the offense. And it's, it's kind of a shame because the defense has been playing lights out. I mean, I think this defense is a special unit. I think the job Wes Goodwin has done has been a bit surprising. I think some fans, you know, maybe wouldn't have thought that he would do this good of a job, um, but clearly the defense is playing well and you still recruit well and still bring in guys like TJ Parker, Peter Woods, but if you can't hold on to the football and you have these simple mistakes there's not going to be a lot of wins coming your way. Yeah. And it's this bit. And we can talk on Goodwin for a second, because I think he's been real, the real bright spot for these first six games is the job that he's been able to do is I had a lot, lots of people tell me on Sunday and Saturday after that wake force game saying, man, if he wasn't at his best, Clemson probably doesn't come out of that with a win the way the offense played through that portion of the game. So what has it been about Goodwin's defense in your eyes in year two? Because that was one of the bigger questions is, okay, Dabo, the, the leash on Brandon Streeter was very tight and clearly it wasn't good enough, the product on that field. So he brings in Garrett Riley. A lot of people are thinking, okay, if Goodwin isn't up to the standard in year two, maybe they're going in another direction, but it looks like his side of the ball has been clean so far. What has it been for you? Maybe it's not giving up as many big plays. Maybe it's just the pure talent that this team has, whether you look at it, defensive line, linebacker, secondary, there's a star in every spot. It feels like. Yeah, I think overall it's talent. I think this unit just has an immense talent at all three levels. 
I mean, I think that defensive line, you got Xavier Thomas, Justin Maskell, Peter Woods, TJ Parker, Tyler Davis. I mean, these are these are pros. These are guys that are going to go to the league. And then, you know, Barrett Carter, Jeremiah Trotter, Wade Woodaz is a guy that's really come on. And then the secondary, Sheridan Jones and Nate Wiggins, they've really played well too. So I think overall talent-wise from last year, everybody kind of took a jump. But for Goodwin himself, I think he also just became more comfortable in his role. I know his first few press conferences, you could tell he was a bit jittery, maybe not as comfortable with the media as, you know, a Brent Venables or a Tony Elliott or even a Garrett Riley that's really used to having that kind of that kind of attention and that uh, kind of media. Um, those media members, you know, always asking questions, always wanting to know more. I think it's just a level of comfortability. I think Goodwin has really just felt more like himself and he's been able to just call the game how he wants to without feeling like he's going to be criticized for it. But at the same time, I mean, you got to recognize the talent. And I think that's, that's the big part of it. Um, but I also think Goodwin has kind of proved some of those doubters wrong through these first six games. Yeah. And you mentioned Venables, what a win for him on Saturday, but yeah, I think this unit I, in every level, like you mentioned, there's somebody special, there's somebody emerging. It doesn't feel like it requires one player to make everything work. Cause but one of them for me was Nate Wiggins. As hey, you felt the lockdown corner that can contribute to the defensive line. They get to the ball not as quick. You still have a guy that can lock up their number one receiver. As Nate Wiggins returns to health, uh, he and Antonio look to be good to go for the bye after the bye week in Miami. But yeah, like you said, this this talent is is unreal. It's unlike much much that I've seen the last couple of years. They're not giving up as many plays, and it feels like a very disciplined unit. Yeah, I mean Nate Wiggins. You look back at that Wake Forest game last year and. Jeez. He did not have a good game. Uh, there's no way <laughs> to put it. I remember watching it on the TV, and he was just visually upset with the plays he was giving up. And then you kind of look at him now, and he's this confident corner. He's he's a lockdown guy, and he's making plays out there. Like you said, he's got to get back to the field. He's got to be healthy. But he's a he's a guy that one of those guys that takes a leap from you know year two to year three, year three to year four. Year four to year five. I mean, Xavier Thomas is in year six. So <laughs> sometimes you just got to be patient with these players and and they'll pay dividends. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we talk about Xavier Thomas. It feels like he's been here for as long as he's been here as long as I've been at this university. So it's definitely been a long time. But when I flip to the other side of the football, Justin, and I think what most people are curious about is they see a certain product on the TV and it may be, may be tough in the moment to compare what does Brandon Streeter's offense look like from Garrett Riley's offense? Because I'm always curious, what is the most notable difference? I love asking people, what are you seeing? And now that we have a larger sample size, when you compare the two offenses, what are you seeing? Is it receivers that are getting open? Is it maybe the scheme is allowing guys like Klubnik to be more comfortable who are touch on in a second? Just based on pure scheme and with your eyes, because Justin, you're a pretty darn good journalist, I'd say. Um, what is that scheme showing you through these six games? Yeah, I think there's just a level of we're going to put guys in a spot that's going to make them succeed. Um, and it hasn't always worked out, as you saw against Wake Forest. But I think Garrett Riley, and there's been a lot of attention from the public saying, oh, it's Dabo running the offense. It's Dabo's offense. It's not Garrett Riley's offense. And that's kind of been put to bed. Uh, Garrett Riley mentioned this past week that it's personnel maybe that is why Clemson's offense didn't look like or hasn't looked like TCU did in 2022. But with that in mind, I think 
Garrett Riley is the guy that's going to put guys like Tyler Brown in a position to succeed. He's going to put the right personnel on the field to have more success. And I think sometimes, as I mentioned, that hasn't necessarily worked out and that has to do with some experience. I know you want to get into club Nick later, um, but you know, it's part of it. He's a young quarterback, barely has any starts under his belt compared to like a Jordan Travis or a Sam Hartman or one of those guys that has had a lot of snaps on the field. Um, so I think there's some growing pains. I don't think they're afraid to say that, but at the same time, I think Garrett Riley has an understanding of who he has personnel wise. And I just don't think Clemson maybe has the receiver talent that they've had in years past. Um, and, you know, fans may be sad about that, but that's the reality. And I think you just kind of got to work with what you have. And I do think he's done a pretty good job overall that um, some of the play calling maybe hasn't been what fans would like to see. Um, especially in certain situations um, late in games. But I think you just got to give it give it a, a few games, give it another season, honestly, and just let it progress. Let, you know, not everything's perfect under year two or year one, excuse me. As, you know, Brent Venables last year, he didn't have a good year as a head coach in year one. And sometimes it just takes time. Uh, it's not what fans want to hear, but that's the reality. Yeah, you might make you might make someone on a certain message board mad, Justin. But like that, that is the reality of the the Clemson fan base, I guess. But yeah, for me, it's been. I think Riley's made it his mission that, like you said, he understands what he has, and it's been getting the ball out of his young quarterback's hands very quickly. I think that there's not a lot of plays that, and this isn't a knock on Klubnik at all. Him just sitting in the pocket and letting things develop. It's very like, hey, this is going to be open here. This side of the field is where you're going to take your read. And the ball's out quick. The It's all about motion and keeping things moving and quick. And so, and that can apply to the run game as well. It's all about quick decisions. And I think with a young quarterback, that's going to take some growing pains. And sometimes he's going to want to sit there and make let a play develop here or there, or try to take that deep shot that isn't necessarily available to him. So I think it's about just Riley and Klubnik finding that synchronization. And I think once that happens, you're going to start to see this offense open things up and maybe a little bit more. Yeah, I think the last thing you want is to have Kate Klubnik lose his confidence. Uh, we've seen it with guys all the time. Even looking at the NFL, you look at a guy like Zach Wilson with the Jets, and what the Jets are able to do with Zach Wilson is completely different than what they would have been able to do with Aaron Rodgers. You know, Aaron Rodgers at the line would be able to check to three, four, five, six different plays, different protections, and Zach Wilson maybe only has got one or two checks because – he doesn't have the experience. He doesn't have the time on the field to, to know exactly, you know, what the right play is. And we saw it with Florida state when Cade checked out of the, the run play and, and did that little bubble screen out to the outside. And that's something that you just got to have those growing pains. You got to learn from, and it takes time and it takes snaps. It takes games. It takes tough losses like Florida state, like Duke. And I think Riley and Klubnik, if they just can keep it going, just put one foot after the other. I think it'll be fine in the end. Uh, it's going to take some time, but I think Riley's the right person for the job. And, and you've heard Dabo say, Klubnik's a guy. He's a guy. Yeah. He's special. It's just going to take some time. He's going to have to learn. But I think uh, I think we'll see that uh, as the year progresses. Yeah, and I think last year there was so much anticipation behind Klubnik because of the visible frustration from the fan base of things with DJ weren't going so hot. The offenses wasn't, wasn't near where they expected it to be especially with the expectations that Uyunga Gale set up for himself after his freshman season, where he got to step on the field himself and put on a display. 
with the uh, Tony Elliott offense. So this is this very much, it doesn't feel like a transitional year, but it's the first time where you've really plopped somebody in that doesn't have as, like you said, he's, he hasn't seen as much. And so there's a lot of defenses throwing a lot at him. And so the thing that I've been most impressed with Klovnik is I love the kid's energy. I love that regardless of where it is, I feel like he's at 100% constantly. And I think for a quarterback, that's great to have as a surrounding unit. Hey, they may be only scoring six points out there, but Klovnik's treating it like it's 40, <laughs> like they're dropping a 50 burger or something. And I, it's been up and down. But the, the Florida State game, I thought, was his best game as a Tiger so far. The way he stood in the pocket and Riley really opened up that offense on that in that game. Plumnick stood in there, took some big shots. I think there's a clip on my Twitter feed where he gets rocked, but he's able to find Brinkstool over the middle. I said middle of the field, Clemson fans. <laughs> but he finds Brinkstool over the middle, and it was a consistent theme throughout that game was, man, Plumnick has no fear. And so it's been up and down. Sometimes I see some of the same happy feet. Uh, mechanics where he feels a little unsure of himself and it darts out of the pocket here or there. But overall, I've been very pleased with him despite the four and two record. What's for you been your assessment of him? Yeah, I think you're spot on. Uh, I remember, I think it was the first drive of the season against Duke. I think it was a third down, maybe. He just let it rip. It was when Duke pretty much dropped the interception. But I was like, wow, like he he doesn't care. Like he's, if he sees a, an opportunity to make a play, he's just going to go for it. Um, I think last year, especially toward the end, DJ may have not been, been doing that as much just because there's so much pressure on him. Uh, and the last thing he wants to do is make a mistake. But I, like you said, I think he's got no fear. Um, mechanically, there's definitely some, some things I've seen some clips of, you know, he's not really scanning the field as much. He's just kind of, locking in on one receiver and, and th that's where the ball is going. Um, but that just takes time. As I mentioned, uh, he's young, he's a sophomore with uh man, was it seven starts under his belt, I guess now. Um, so yeah, I mean, he, you can see the talent. You can definitely see the talent. I think it was FAU. He threw that beautiful ball down the scene to Tyler Brown for a 30 yard touchdown. I think it was. And so you can see those type of throws. You're just like, wow, like that's a, that's almost a pro caliber throw right there. And so he's just got to progress. He's got to get there, but he's definitely got the potential. Yeah. And I had a conversation with Tyler Brown after that. And you, we talked earlier about certain quarterbacks being able to check into the plays. And this is where I think that comment about Dabo having this leash on Riley is complete nonsense is because he's given Klubnik the freedom to change the play at the line of scrimmage, because originally I believe it was supposed to be a box fade and he Klubnik saw something on the field and was able to scan that and turn that into the post that ended up turning into that touchdown. So it's those small things that they just have to build throughout this season. And I think that's one of your prime examples right there is that throw to Tyler Brown that was on a rope. There was, it was in stride. It was, it was where only he could get it. And it was, uh, I think it's just all about continuing to build positive moments together. And whether Clemson goes eight and four or they went out the rest of the way, uh, I, I think Clemson fans should be pretty pleased about what number two can do under center. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I think, you know, you got to temper some expectations. I think it's difficult to go from Deshaun Watson and, you know, you got that year with Kelly Bryant. Kelly Bryant was still good that year and nothing against him. But then you go to Trevor Lawrence, arguably one of the greatest – well, not arguably. He is one of the greatest college quarterbacks of all time. You can put him up there with the best. Um, and then you got a few rough years with, with DJ, and then now you're on to Cade. And I think – Clemson fans are still kind of feeling that like, Hey, why, why don't we have the best quarterback in the country? Why don't we have 
this offense that's going to put 50, 60 points on the board almost every game. And I just think those years were were special. And uh, whether or not Clemson returns to that, we'll see. But uh, I think as for right now, Clemson fans just need to just temper expectations. Um, it's going to be tough. As Dab always says it's it's much tougher to stay on top of the mountain than to get there. Yeah, for sure. And I think for you and me, with this being our final seasons as students, is uh, it's just enjoying the moment. And uh, I think the, 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 you can attest to this or not, whether this is true, but being in it's weird not being in the stands for moments like that. We're like, man, everybody's so amped. But that FSU atmosphere is about as tense as I've felt. And I've had I had my boss, Larry Williams, say this, too. He's like, this is the most tense I've felt Death Valley. And he was like, that was just a fun atmosphere was everybody like sold out crowd. Usually in some certain games, you have people that at halftime, it's like, all right, let's go downtown or let's go to X, Y, Z. Let's go back to the tailgate. Everybody was standing up and locked in. It felt like the Louisville game in 2016. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I kind of felt the same way last year against NC state when it was a top 10 matchup and it was a night game and you had the lights flashing. I can't really ex- explain if you haven't been to Death Valley what it's like in, in big games like that. I mean, it's special. Uh, my parents went to Clemson and they always told me how special it was in, in Death Valley. And I didn't really understand it until I, I experienced it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that Florida State game, the stadium was rocking and everybody was staying. Uh, went to overtime. It was a heck of a game. One of the craziest games I've ever been a part of. And it's going to be sad as students not to be able to experience that on a daily basis, but life goes on, unfortunately. So yeah, we'll, we'll one day I'm sure. Uh, we'll have to make a return at some point, but I, I, I know my parents have season tickets, so there's a spot available if we're able to join, but just, I think before we uh, wrap up this autopsy for Clemson football um, is the schedule ahead. And I, I remember thinking about this in the summer before everything that's happened now has happened going, man, this back, the last six games of Clemson's schedule, and I'm sure you've taken a look at it, it's it's a gauntlet. I mean, you look at it here, and we can just kind of break it down as we see it. They have a two-game road stretch. It's Miami and NC State after their bye week, and then it's three home games with Notre Dame, Georgia Tech, and UNC, and then South Carolina and Columbia, which is always going to be a challenge. But in that six, what really jumps out to you there and what can people expect from these final six games as Clem- as we've said, Clemson's still trying to figure things out and make this pr- process work, but they got, I would say Tyler Van Dyke, Sam Hartman, Drake may. And as we know, Spencer Rattler has the ability to turn it on. This is going to be a true examination of this, of this Clemson team. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a brutal stretch. Um, there's no other way to put it. And almost every game, is going to just come down to the wire possibly. And you got, like you said, these talented quarterbacks, Drake Maids, he'll be a top 10 pick probably in the draft. Sam Hartman, I think has started like 53 games or something crazy like that. Um, but when it comes to the the biggest test, I'm really looking forward to that Notre Dame game. And it's not an ACC game necessarily. It may not have an impact on the final ACC standings, but coming off last year's game when, I mean, Clemson just got manhandled. Uh, on both sides of the ball you were there I was there I mean it just it just felt like the team got deflated it yeah I I just I I hadn't really seen Clemson play like that in person and I think I'm very interested to see how they respond how they bounce back and and how they're gonna kind of 
avenge that game and that loss, um, particularly on the line of scrimmage. I think that's a, it's a really big battle there. And for the whole rest of the way, really, that I think the line of scrimmage is something to keep an eye on on the offensive line. And I think Clemson could win out. I do. I think they have a chance to. I mean, you got Notre Dame and UNC. You got those games at home. That's big. But Miami's a, a big test. I mean, you can talk about how they lost against Georgia Tech. Oh, my God. But uh, <laughs> but that's still a, a really good football team. So, I mean, it's 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 going to be tough for them to to win these games. But they definitely have the talent. It's just a matter of if they can put it all together. Yeah, I think the one that sticks out to me is that no one's going to be paying attention to it. And I, I could see this being a game where Clemson, Clemson may go and take care of business in Miami. They might be back in the top 25. But at NC State, we know and the Clemson fans know the history of playing in Raleigh in that kind of environment. I know Brandon Armstrong isn't even the starting quarterback anymore. He was one of my players to watch out for in the ACC with his new transfer paired back with his old offensive coordinator. But that's a quarterback that can scramble around, that can make plays in MJ Morris. Uh, that Wolfpack team, regardless of where they are, you know Dave Doran's going to have his guys ready for a game against Clemson. I think if they can find a way to be 6-2 and two out of that stretch and face Notre Dame, this could be a top 20 matchup between the two um, that I'm really excited about. This, this is really a truly where you go from the Notre Dame game last year to now is really a test of where this Clemson football program is at. Are they going to get pushed around like they did in South Bend, or is it going to be a little different now with the revamped team, new staff members, new players? It's really going to be, like you said, that true test. Yeah, I think the biggest – I just want to see some juice. I want to see some energy. I think – especially the Wake Forest game, it just – sometimes it, it didn't feel like there was that energy there with the team. And I know it's kind of a, a, a things that fans say, and it's not always accurate, but it is a thing. You can kind of feel it when there's not energy there. And I would love to see, you know, a clemson Notre game game where both teams come out firing. Both teams are just giving it their all. And I think both teams are have the talent to do so. So really excited for this back stretch of the season. Um, I'll be enjoying the bye week as I'm sure you will too. Uh, you know, in the media, it's a, it's kind of a, it's a grind football season, but win trade for the world. It's uh best thing that could have ever happened to me here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, looking forward to the, the bye week I'll be in the mountains and then I'm going to be re- back from my retreat. I'm looking forward to it. But Justin, before we wrap up, is there been any, like, we'll just do a little bit of a, a quick surprise player type thing. I always love to get the thoughts on who's caught your eye. Maybe it's been someone that nobody's talking about, or maybe someone you say, Hey, in this backstretch, I could see this guy who's been kind of making plays here and there who potentially could be your breakout or you think people should continue to keep an eye on. Yeah. Tyler Brown, certainly one freshman wide receiver, same with TJ Parker. I'm going to go in a different direction though. This is a guy that hasn't necessarily received as much playing time. He may not have been under the spotlight in every game, but in that Florida Atlantic game when Andrew McCuba was out, Khalil Barnes just – he put on a show. I mean, he was everywhere where the ball was. I think he finished with, like, a forced fumble, uh, an interception, and maybe, like, a fumble recovery. I can't remember his exact stat line, but it just seemed like the first half he was everywhere. Um, so, I mean, you look at these guys that Clemson's going to return next year, year after that. This defense is going to be special, um, and Cleo Barnes is certainly going to be one of those those key components of that defense, along with Peter Woods, C.J. Parker. I mean, he's a guy. He's the, I was just impressed. There's no other way to put it. I mean, he was yeah. just flying around, and um, I think you can see that Clemson. They're building. They had they have the the freshmen. They have the incoming recruiting class. That they're not going anywhere. Uh, I know fans think that they 
might be off into the dust and will never be ranked again, but they have the talent still and uh they'll 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 be fine, I think. Yeah, you never know. And it's never boring here in Clemson, South Carolina, as you know. But guys, that was episode 144 of the Man with the Plan podcast. Subscribe and be sure to check out our platforms on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm going to drop Justin's Twitter and the link to the Tiger in the description below so you can go check out their work because guys do some great stuff over at Tiger Media. And so be sure to check them out, show them some love, and tell them that I sent you or something along those lines. But guys, thank you as always for joining this podcast. Have a great fall break if you're a Clemson student or just in general, have a great week. 